What is going on? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of The Proving Ground. I'm your host, The Engineer, a little late with the podcast this week. I've been traveling overseas, but better late than never. We are back, breaking down all the action at UFC Vegas 87. The alleged, supposed, rumored to be card that was destined for Saudi Arabia, but never happened. Whether true or false, rightly or wrongly, we are back at the real proving ground, the UFC Apex facility in Las Vegas, Nevada, USA, for Rosenstrike versus Gazeev. And I do have to say, folks, rightly or wrongly, I am very much looking forward to this card. My man, Biggie Boy Rosenstrike, is in the main event. The pride of Australia, Tyson Pedro in the co-main. We have Mohamed Mikheyev, Umar Namegamedov, Matt Danger Schnell, and Eric, your boy Anders. A couple of fights on this card actually have very serious title implications as well. Those of you who know me will know I do not have a hard time getting excited for any UFC event. So will I be surprised if you are not looking forward to this one as much as me? No. But as for myself, yes, I very much am. I'm also looking forward to moving on from UFC Mexico City last week. Don't get me wrong, I had a grand old time watching those fights. The year of the raw dog is officially upon us. But unfortunately for me, I got hosed in Mexico City. I only hit one position all night. I actually would have preferred the old reverse sweep, at least that would have been a story. The night started bad when in the very first fight of the evening, Eric Silva tears his MCL seconds into the fight. Two positions and two units just disappear in one fell swoop. Then Victor Altamirano gets easily the worst robbery of the year. I just could not believe he didn't get the nod on the judges' scorecards. And at that point I knew, it wasn't my night. But you know what that means? Time to get back up in that saddle, reload and fire. This is The Proving Ground, let's find out. In the main event of the evening, we have Shamil Gazeev, your favourite at minus 161, versus Jarzinho, Biggie Boy Rosenstrike at plus 130. Five rounds of heavyweight action if required. Biggie Boy himself is back. The pride of Suriname, who brings that touch of death with him each and every time he enters the octagon. Bouncing back after a submission loss to one jail to Almeida in May of 2023. Over the last three years, Biggie Boy has fought three times in one year, two times the year after, and just once the year after that. But we've reached the trough, we're bouncing back. It's only March and we have a Biggie Boy sighting already. And if we've reached the trough and we're bouncing back, one can only assume that means Biggie Boy will be bouncing back with a win. The man has 13 career wins, 12 of which come by way of knockout. We all know the Biggie Boy win condition. Stand in front of your opponent, wait for him to punch you, then punch him back really, really hard. It's either headshot dead, or it's going to be a rough night at the office for Biggie Boy. This is also borne out in the statistics. 2.8 significant strikes landed per minute, 3.2 absorbed. How many takedowns landed in the UFC? Zero. Out of how many attempted? Zero. And close to a 75% takedown defense rate. So Biggie Boy is usually able to keep the fight right where he wants it. I also do want to talk about that Almeida fight. It was not competitive. Almeida took him down once and subbed him immediately. But don't let that fool you. Biggie Boy has also won fights in which he was taken down, Alistair Overeem, Junior Albini, neither of whom were huge submission threats, of course. So don't assume that if Gazeev takes him down, that, it, it, that it's automatically game over. It'll depend on the submission game that his opponent is bringing to the table. And what about his opponent, Shamil Gazeev? Don't be afraid to say you don't know a whole lot about him. After all, this is only his second UFC fight, and he already finds himself in the main event spot here at UFC Vegas 87. 
We saw him destroy Martin Boudet in December of last year and also submit Greg Velasco in his lone appearance on Dana White's Contender Series. He has an undefeated record standing at 12 wins and zero losses, eight by way of knockout, three by way of submission with only one coming by way of decision. And prior to his professional debut, Gazeev also had an extensive and quite successful amateur career. We don't have many stats on this man, only one appearance inside the octagon to date, two if you count the contender series, but of course the stats we do have look very, very good. All three of his career submission wins come by way of rear naked choke. He's quite an active wrestler, and while I do think he can hang with Biggie Boy on the feet, he may even have close to a 50-50 chance of winning in that scenario. It's the wrestling and grappling where he'll have his edge. Look for Gazeev to engage with Biggie Boy on the feet, throwing everything into every single shot like he always does, and then lean heavily on the wrestling to get the fight to the floor. And of course, this is where it could all go wrong for Gazeev, the cardio. Everyone's talking about it. Gazeev is a large gentleman who puts everything into every shot. He wrestles early and often, and usually gets his opponent out of there very quickly. The man has only been to the judges' scorecard once in his 12 pro fights, and that was a three-rounder. Of course, if this fight does get extended later into rounds two and three, anything could happen. And the view of most is that Rosenstrike's style will see him be the fresher fighter down the stretch if it gets there. I think that's probably right. Rosenstrike's average UFC fight time is almost eight minutes. He's seen the judges' scorecards three times out, including twice in the UFC, including once against Cyril Garn of all people. So despite the limitations to his win condition here, give me Jarzinho Rosenstrike to win this fight. All right, folks, here's where I lose the crowd. Here's where the room starts to turn on me. I think you know where I'm going with this one. I've been warming you up for it, softening the blow, if you will. Those of you who have been with us for a while now will know. I handicap 500 lines each week right before the fights. If there's a significant edge, I bet it, no matter what. So I get zero closing line value because I'm placing the bet usually on fight night. And this is the fearless plus money strategy, of course, so I'm not out here laying chalk. That means if I give you a line, it's probably still available. No trickery here. I want to prove to you that I can beat the books without closing line value, which I acknowledge is actually very important and you should definitely go looking for it if you can, and by chasing crazy plus money positions. That means I rip up more tickets than I cash, it means I have more losing weeks than winning weeks, but when it hits, it hits big. And I've calculated not one but two significant edges in this fight. So give me, fight starts round four at plus 390 and fight starts round five at plus 540. Could these positions get torched instantly? Absolutely. But just imagine, if you will, the feeling when these bad boys cash. Dare to dream, live your best life, swing big, and just sometimes it pays off. Do I recommend tailing these positions? Absolutely not. A first-round KO prop for whichever way you are leaning has quite a lot of value, and they're plus money spots too, so that's where I suggest you start looking. The money lines look fair, so I recommend staying away from them this time out. And in the co-main event, some would say the people's main event, we have your favorite Vitor Petrino at minus 313 versus Tyson Pedro, your underdog at plus 240 in the light heavyweight division. Vitor Petrino is a beast. You can see why he's quickly become a fan favorite. 10 fights, 10 wins, 8 coming by way of finish. In his UFC career to date, he's 3-0 with two finishes and somehow a decision victory against the pleasure man, Anton Tokalic. He also finished the extremely durable Rodolfo Bellato on his lone appearance on the Contender Series. The man is building a resume. 
Say what you will about his first UFC opponent, the Pleasure Man. He also looked great against Modestus Bukakis and Marcin Praknia. His striking stats are solid. Only three significant strikes landed per minute, but only 2.5 absorbed. But it's the grappling where Vitor Petrino shines. More than four takedowns landed per 15 minutes, 70% accuracy and defense, and he actively hunts for submissions on the ground. This is where he will shine against Tyson Pedro. Pedro, meanwhile, has won three of his last four, with the lone loss coming by way of a lackluster decision to one Modestus Bukakis. I'm a huge Tyson Pedro fan. He's incredibly dangerous, almost always exciting, and low-key one of the funniest fighters on the roster. We went four years between 2018 and 2022 without seeing Pedro in the cage once due to injuries. His resume since his return has been a little padded. The three wins are against the Pleasure Man, Harry Hunsucker and Isaac Villanueva. But after four years out, you can kind of understand why. On the feet, Pedro will be in his element. The striking stats don't really tell the full story in terms of how powerful and exciting he really is. It'll be competitive on the feet, but I do believe he'll have the advantage. Look for Petrino to get this fight to the mat with only a 50% takedown defense rate on the Pedro side. Unless the fight finishes early, you have to think that Petrino will be scoring a couple of takedowns here. There is definitely a risk that Pedro gets taken down and controlled or submitted on the ground. And once again, I find myself picking the fighter with the more limited win condition. I think Pedro will come out firing. There's a risk he overextends and gets caught by Petrino or, more likely, walks right into a takedown. But I think that Bukaskas loss lit a fire under Pedro, and I like his chances of derailing the Petrino hype train this time out. So give me Tyson Pedro to win this fight. I love the price on a first round Pedro finish here. We'll take this as an official bet at plus 900. You could also look for his first round KO prop at plus 1050. In fact, even Pedro's money line looks like excellent value to me. If you're trying to play Petrino, an early KO prop looks to be the value here, and probably better value than his more likely win condition and early submission. And in the next fight in the men's flyweight division, we have your favorite Mohamed Makayev at minus 357 with a comeback at, on Alex Perez at plus 270. Here we go, folks. This is one of the two fights on the card that actually has very significant stakes. A win here for the 23-year-old Makayev could see him fighting for a title next or at the very least in a title eliminator. Five UFC starts for Makayev, five victories with four coming by way of submission. Interesting to note that only one of these came in the first round. The other four wins, including the decision win, came in the third round. Makayev fights have a habit of going a little bit long. Makayev almost doesn't throw any strikes at all. One significant strike landed per minute and only one absorbed. His whole game rests on getting the fight to the floor, with 6.5 takedowns per 15 minutes at almost a 50% completion rate. He's then active, if not frantic, on the ground in terms of hunting for submissions. Makayev is definitely a position-over-submission type. And ladies and gentlemen, that's why this fight is so intriguing. His opponent, the 31-year-old Alex Perez, is almost the polar opposite. More experienced, a mix of wins and losses. Almost five significant strikes landed per minute with only three absorbed. He's an active wrestler and grappler, but with a takedown defense rate of almost 80%. That begs the question, what happens if Mikhaev cannot get this fight to the floor? Well, Perez will probably win. Despite his wrestling and grappling skills, Perez has seven submission wins himself. He is also liable to get submitted with five of his seven career losses coming by way of submission. Also, and I won't go too deep down this rabbit hole, I don't think the resume of Perez is the strongest. 
He has a track record of beating mid-tier competition and losing whenever he faces the upper echelon of the division, which Mikhaev certainly is. Don't get me wrong, there's a very real world in which Perez wins this fight on the feet, but Mikhaev at 23 years old is making leaps and bounds each time out, and I can't pick against him in this spot. I expect this fight to go a little bit longer and not be all one-way traffic, like most of Mikhaev's fights. But true to form, look for him to pull out a late submission victory, so give me Mohamed Mikhaev to win this fight. At the window, it's the Perez money line that has all the value. If you're looking to back Mikhaev, an early finish will yield the best value. And up next in the men's bantamweight division, we have our second fight on this card with very serious title implications. We have your favourite Umar Nurmagomedov at minus 1,429 versus Beksat Almakan at plus 750. All right, folks, let's get into it. People are ducking Umar Nurmagomedov. Miss me with all that talk about USADA. There is a reason that this man is having a hard time getting fights, and it's not because of USADA. It's because of how dangerous he is. There is a very real world in which a win here sees him catapulted straight into title contention, at which point top contenders will have no choice but to fight him. There is one top contender who is willing to step up to the plate, Corey Sanhagen, but with that fight falling out, the best the UFC could do is a debutant in Bexat Almakan. I think I'm saying that right, but let's just say Bexat. I'll keep this one brief. Firstly, let's address the elephant in the room. Bexat is one of those fighters who has a different official record every time you refresh his topology page. I think the most wins I saw him credited with during this week was 17. That's since been dialed back to 11 due to some difficulties in confirming some of the fights he's had in Eastern European leagues. As far as I can tell, this isn't for the usual reason, i.e. fake fights or fake results, but has more to do with some confusion around the fights that he's had not fitting strictly within the criteria of an MMA fight. So, we know he's a very experienced and very successful man in combat sports. I've watched some tape, the man can strike, the man can grapple, he's dangerous wherever the fight goes. But that literally is the extent of my knowledge, and most people who claim to know more, well, they probably don't. Meanwhile, we all know plenty about Umar Nurmagomedov. An undefeated 16-0 record, some would say the uncrowned champion of the division lying in wait for his coronation. Four UFC starts, four wins, three finishes, a nightmare on the ground, and last time out against Raoni Barcelos, a beautiful body kick and punch combination, scoring a first round knockout win. I don't know what to tell you here folks, the tape study says that Bexat is good. His record is confusing but seems to imply the same. But I just don't think that's going to count for much here. Umar should be better wherever the fight goes, on the feet, on the ground, or anywhere else for that matter. I do expect the fight to be competitive in spots, and I'm sure we'll hear more from Bexat in the future. But for now, give me Umar and Omega Medov to win this fight. Of course, there's less than zero value on Umar's money line here, so if you're looking to play him, a first-round submission is about the only spot I can see value at the window. And returning to the men's flyweight division, we have your favourite, Steve Astroboy Urseg at minus 435 with the comeback on Matt Danger Schnell at plus 320. This is a fascinating fight. Matt Schnell is legit. Win or loss, the man is pure excitement. Of his seven professional losses, only one has come by way of decision. Of his 16 professional wins, only four have come by way of decision. He might only have one win out of his last four starts, but Matt Schnell is always down to clown. His last win over Sumadurji in 2022 was one of my favourite fights of that year. 
I'll gloss over the stats quickly for this one. Schnell has a negative striking differential, barely ever shoots for takedowns, and has less than a 50% takedown defense rate. My man is here for a good time, not a long time, and we love him for it. Meanwhile, Astro Boy, after accepting a late-notice fight against the ranked and highly regarded David Dvorak to make his UFC debut, is now 2-0 in the octagon to date, with both wins coming by way of decision. His stats are almost the inverse of Schnell. A positive striking differential, two takedowns per 15 minutes, and an almost 80% takedown defense rate. If there was ever a spot for Urseg to score his first UFC finish, surely it's here against Matt Schnell. Look for Schnell to make this fight ugly, dirty, grimy, and mix it up and thrive in the chaos. But look for Urseg to weather the storm and outclass Schnell down the stretch. So give me Steve Urseg to win this fight, probably by way of finish later in the fight. There is a little value on the Schnell money line here, but an early finish on either side looks to be the best value at the window. And up next in the middleweight division, we have Eric, your boy Anders, at minus 476 with the comeback on your underdog, Jamie the Nightwolf Pickett at plus 350 in the middleweight division. Here we go, folks. Your boy versus the Nightwolf. I've heard a lot of chatter about this fight all week, and everyone is saying basically the same thing. Eric Anders probably shouldn't be close to a minus 500 favorite against anyone, but if he had to be, it would probably be against the Nightwolf, Jamie Pickett. Anders is very durable, only two of his eight career losses have come by way of finish. He has a habit of making fights go a little bit longer and making things difficult for his opponents. It's hard to look good against Eric Anders. He is only 1-3 in his last four outings, with that one win coming over the reasonably dubious Kyle Dorcas, no longer employed by the UFC. Pickett, meanwhile, is 2-6 over his eight-fight UFC tenure, with the only two wins coming against Joseph Holmes and Loreno Staropoli, neither of whom are currently employed by the UFC and is currently on a four-fight skid against a mixture of decidedly good and decidedly average competition. Pickett will have a five-inch reach advantage, but other than that, his statistics do not look good. Anders' stats are not fantastic, but are a level above those of Pickett. I just can't see Pickett finishing Anders here. The man has one stoppage win since 2019, and Anders is notoriously durable. If the fight hits the cards, based on their stats, I just can't see a path to victory for Pickett either in this spot. So, give me Eric, your boy Anders, to win this fight. Of course, if there is any value on the money lines, it's on the Pickett side, but if you're looking to play Anders, look for an early finish prop to get the most juice for your squeeze. And returning to the men's bantamweight division, we have your favourite, Vinicius de Oliveira at minus 130 with the comeback on Bernando Sopai at plus 100. I'll keep this one brief, folks. We have two UFC debutants here. We've at least laid eyes on De Oliveira through the Contender Series, where he scored a first-round finish over Victor Madrigal. Bernando, I'm having a hard time finding tape on, and other than having a truly excellent head of hair, my insights are pretty limited here. De Oliveira will have three inches of height and four inches of reach, and he did look absolutely fantastic on the Contender Series, so that's enough to make me pick him in this spot, given the lack of data and tape on Bernando. The money lines look fair, and outside an early Vinicius finish, I'm having trouble finding any value at the window for this fight at all. Sticking to the men's bantamweight division, we have your favourite, the Snow Leopard, Javid Bashrat at minus 833, with the comeback on Eamon Zahabi at plus 575. Zahabi has amassed a 4-2 and two record on the UFC, and is currently riding a 3-fight win streak, including 2 wins by KO. However, Zahabi is yet to face a true contender. 
And that's the spot he finds himself in for this fight against Javid Bashrat. Sticking to Zahabi for the minute, his stats are strange. A negative striking differential, but truly elite striking defense. Almost no takedowns, but very strong striking defense. You can see where I'm going with this. It's hard to look good against Zahabi. The man isn't there to be hit or to be taken down, but he also struggles to do damage against his opponents. That is not the case for his opponent this time out, Javid Bashrat. The undefeated Bashrat brother, the Snow Leopard, is a huge favourite in this spot. Four UFC starts, three wins, one no contest due to landing a kick to the ding-ding last time out against Victor Henry. And what are our two key takeaways from the Victor Henry fight? Number one, Bashrat was winning that fight. Number two, Bashrat carries power. One kick to the ding-ding was enough to see Henry's night and possibly life ruined forever. Javid's statistics are incredible. He more than doubles up his opponents in significant strikes landed. He scores two takedowns per 15 minutes. Plus, he has an 85% takedown defense rate. Perhaps that explains his price in this fight. Do I think the line is a little short? Sure. I'm not sure minus 833 is the correct number here. But do I think Zahavi will do almost no damage to Bashrat in this fight? Yes. So give me the Snow Leopard to win this fight. Of course, given where the lines are, in terms of money lines, the value is on Zahabi, but a round one finish on the Bashrat side also looks to have strong value to me. And returning to the men's middleweight division, we have Christian Leroy Duncan at minus 303 with a comeback on Claudio Ribeira at plus 234. Alright folks, it's CLD fight week. You know what that means. CLD will be swinging from the hips, taking no prisoners, landing close to six significant strikes per minute, and shooting for exactly zero takedowns. Switch stance, high velocity, all gas, no brakes. His only career loss came at the hands of Armin Petrosian in June of 2023. Ribeiro, meanwhile, has gone loss-win-loss to start his UFC career, and has truly been thrown into the deep end, suffering knockout losses to Abdul Razak al-Hassan and Roman Kopolov last time out. Other than some reasonably unimpressive striking defense, Ribeiro's stats are actually not that bad. He'll be at a slight height and reach disadvantage here, but look for Ribeiro to come out swinging. And if the fight does hit the mat, he'll have the advantage there for sure. There's been a lot of love at the window for COD this week, but at this price, I just can't trust him. I think Ribeiro is the more dangerous and well-rounded fighter, so give me Claudio Ribeiro to win this fight. I like the value on Ribeiro's money line here, but his KO prop just jumps off the page in terms of value and win condition. So give me Claudio Ribeiro to win this fight, and for our official bet, give me Ribeiro to win via KO or TKO at plus 420. And in the men's lightweight division, we have your favorite Ludovic Klein at minus 833 again, with the comeback on AJ Cunningham at plus 575. Ludovic, Mr. Highlight Klein, has actually established a decent UFC resume at this point. Seven wins with only two defeats at the hands of Michael Trezano and Nate the Train Landwehr. Has the matchmaking been pretty favourable? Sure, he's mostly facing mid-level guys, but the results are as expected. His striking numbers don't exactly leap off the page, but his takedowns and takedown defence are very solid, which goes some way to explaining his career record of 20 wins with four defeats. Plus, at age 29, he's only getting better. His opponent, meanwhile, AJ Cunningham, is making his UFC debut after losing on the Contender Series before scoring a knockout win on the regional scene to earn his UFC debut. Look, we just don't know a whole heap about Cunningham. 
All we do know is that he has a decent regional record and looks to be very durable. And that's enough to make me think there's some value on fight goes to decision here. So for our official bet, give me fight goes to decision at plus 300. In terms of money lines, the value looks to be on the Cunningham side, and there might be some value on an early finish prop here too, on the Cunningham side. Sticking to the men's lightweight division, we have your favorite, Abdul Karim Al Sawadi at minus 179, with the comeback on Loik Radzibov at plus 143. Here we go, folks. We made it. This is the first fight of the night. Another UFC debutant to close the show out, folks. Al Sawadi earned his spot on the UFC roster with a win over George Hardwick on the Contender Series in August of 2023, and he looked all right doing it. Positive striking differential, ability to score takedowns. We got to see him outclass Hardwick over the course of 15 minutes. His opponent, Radzibov, is making his third UFC start after trading a win and a loss to start his UFC career. Last time out, we saw him getting absolutely iced by Matush Rebeki, no shame there, after picking up a decision win over Esteban Rybovic in March of 2023. You guessed it, folks. We'll be keeping this one brief too. On the feet, Al Sawadi should have the advantage. But if the fight hits the floor, which it probably will, look for Radzibov to rack up control time and hunt for submissions, although he does strike me as being a position over submission type of guy. There is every chance that Al Sawadi sparks Radzibov on the feet here, but I do see this fight going a little longer and hitting the floor, so give me Loik Radzibov to win this fight. To recap, our official bets for this week under the Fearless Plus Money strategy are in the main event. Fight starts round 4 at plus 390, and fight starts round 5 at plus 540. Tyson Pedro by first round finish at plus 900. Claudio Ribeiro to win by KO or TKO at plus 420, and the Klein-Cunningham fight goes to decision at plus 300. That's it for now, folks. Don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe on X, the underscore engineer MMA, on YouTube at the Proving Ground MMA. Find us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or reach me by email, engineer at theprovinggroundmma.com. Best of luck with your bets and let's find out.